Take charge of your thoughts. Take charge of your life. Psychologist, author, speaker, musician, former professor, and the host of Love and Life, Dr. Karen Anderson Averill. Welcome to Love and Life. I'm Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. One of the questions I most often receive is, how do I know if he's the one? How do I know if the person I'm dating is the one I'm supposed to be with forever, my person? When I was little, I remember asking my mom, and she told me what you probably heard from your mom when you were little and asked the same question, Mom, how will I know When I meet the right guy, how will I know if he's my guy? And she said, you'll just know, (laughs) which is not all that helpful. So, of course, I went digging to see if there's any psych research on knowing that he or she is the one. And strangely, there is a lack of research in this area. Obviously, there's tons of research on what makes a strong, solid marriage And I've talked about that before in the podcast. So if you're interested in that, check out episode five, Understanding and Enhancing the Love in Your Life. Episode 13, Happily Ever After, How to Make Your Marriage Last. And episode 14, Keep Your Marriage Sizzling, The Chemistry of Lasting Attraction. And episode 27, Relationships Shouldn't Be All That Hard. So I do delve into the research in those prior episodes, but I was hoping I'd find a body of literature devoted to how do you know if the person you're with is the one for you? And you all know this is a topic that's very close to my heart as a former runaway bride. So yeah, I'm the person who accepted a proposal from someone who was not my person and tried to make someone be the one who wasn't the one. So I come from this, obviously, from a very curious place as a psychologist, and then from a personal place of having almost messed things up really badly. So I thought, since there's not a ton of research out there for us to examine, sometimes it's really valuable to listen to people's stories. And when we hear someone else say, well, here's how I knew that the person I was dating was the one Sometimes that can give clarity in our own situations, just hearing someone else's story and looking for the parallels that make sense for what we're going through. So I asked Dan to join me, and I thought we could delve into a little bit of what it was about each other that helped us feel that confidence to know that we were, in fact, embarking in the right direction and what led each of us to realize that the dating relationship we'd established was, in fact, a foundation for a marriage. And later in the episode, I'll answer another listener's question about love in the time of corona. Dan invented it because I kept burning my tongue on my black coffee. And then we realized the perfecter could do so much more. It's the only way to brew coffee or tea and then immediately ice it for iced coffee or iced tea without watering down the flavor. It also brings bourbon to a perfect chill, again, without diluting it or bruising the flavor notes. But my favorite application, wine. The Perfector takes your room temperature red to the recommended low 60s in just 20 seconds. 
And as a bonus, the Perfector aerates your vintage as well. Check out all the Perfector's applications, including bringing white wine to its most flavorful temperature at drinkperfection.com. Love and Life listeners can use promo code PODCAST at checkout for 20% off your Perfector. So Dan, welcome to the program. Hi there, sweetie. So we're going to tell our story, huh? Yeah, we're telling our story. <laughs> but <laughs> but not really, I mean, our story kind of, but also our unique vantage point because we came to our relationship from such different backgrounds, really, and yet there was a ton of common ground. And just focus on the when we knew it was the one yeah. or the process of that. Yeah, because sure. like I said, I get this question a lot, and I've always promised people, I'm going to devote a podcast episode to that one of these days. And I just know that I could have used hearing someone at least try to articulate what it was, what were the tangibles in this very nebulous realm of the one or your person and you'll just know (laughs) that doesn't really help people (laughs) well i think there's tangibles and intangibles yeah right and and to be completely upfront i hadn't thought about this in such a long time so i i put a little pen and pen to paper and uh and wrote down a, a few things just thinking back to when we met and um i guess for one thing i i would have to say i don't I know we're talking about when you know it's the one, so it's, you know, this is a little bit beforehand, but I don't know that I believe in love at first sight. I believe in attraction at first sight, and then and then comes the learning part. And, you, I, you know, I've heard you talk in several podcasts about, you know, dating is that learning phase. Yeah. And I know that when we were dating, um, you know, a few things I had written down were, well, I didn't write, have to write this down, but besides, you know, being beautiful and smart and talented... I noticed how she was around her family, around her friends. I, sh- I should speak directly to you since I'm looking at you, right? Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, and and how there was always a, a kindness and respect for others, um, whether they were strangers or not. I never heard you lie to anybody. So all those things that I just continued to learn, besides the fact that we had you know a physical attraction to one another, you had that. Once all those pieces kind of came together as, hey, you know, I think we align in our values and values can be a lot of different things. Then, you know, that that led to knowing you're the one. But but really, at the end of the day, I think there was some point and I can't remember the point in time. You know, I knew that we were a great fit, but there was a point in time where I was like, wow, I can't imagine Karen dating anybody else. I can't imagine her with anybody else. And that, it kind of scared me. I was like, wow, I better lock this down now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and that was right before we became exclusive. So we had had, and so I want to highlight a couple of things you said, because you refer to the fact that I talk a lot about dating. We have to remember in those early stages of dating, we are collecting information and gathering information. And I, for one, I'm more of a fan of just watching. Like you said, it wasn't so much those conversations we had, which we had wonderful, in-depth, very, very long and and deep conversations, but it was also not necessarily listening to what I'm saying, but watching who I'm showing you to be. Mm -hmm. And the same for me, because, you know, a lot of people will have, oh, what kind of questions did you ask in the first couple dates so that you can vet someone and know if they're fit? And that's great. I mean, I'm, I'm sure that's helpful. But to me... I have to observe who you are because talk is cheap. Right. And I was watching you 
And we've joked about this in the past that you're in sales, so you're used to talking to people and presenting information. And I'm a psychologist and a former professor, so I was used to standing in front of a crowd and talking. So we both had that ability to talk. And so we knew we were getting along on the verbal level, but I needed to see and observe. And that's just something you can't rush. So I love that you highlighted that as one of the things. It's not so much, and I, I did, like I said, I tried to do some research, but of course, all I found was bustle articles and elite daily. And those are great articles, but I was looking for like hardcore scientific research on this. But one of the things that some of those articles said was, yeah, look at how they interact with your family and your friends and make sure that that's consistent with the way that you interact with your family and friends. Because really, when you pick your person, they are representing you. And that's something to consider as well. So I I like that you uh, spoke to that. And then the other thing you spoke to was about imagining if when you imagine them with someone else, what do you feel? And you felt possessive. Right. Not in like a scary, like this guy's trying to own me. No, it wasn't that. But just you felt like, no, 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 we belong together. We, yes. we make yes. so much sense. I can't even imagine her dating someone else. <laughs> no, that's right. If you're single, you've likely heard it all. You've been told you're too picky, you should just get on another dating app, or that you're not trying hard enough. And you're probably really tired of hearing those messages because I know I was when I was single for all those years, which is why I felt the need to bring another perspective to the dating relationship self-help genre. Single is the new black, don't wear white till it's right is my take on what the single life can be if we refuse to settle, we know that we're worth an extraordinary relationship, and we refuse to fall prey to single shaming. Trust me, it is a different self-help book. Check it out on Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, or on my website, www.drkarin.me, D-R-K-A-R-I-N.me. And another thing that I think is important to to look at is, are there any red flags? And we we never, the only red flag, or let's just say faded, not very bright red flag that we had was our, our body clocks. Karen is a night owl. And there's no question about that. So she does all her best work at night and, and I'm a morning person. And so I, I, I remember when we were dating that that was the, that was the one thing that I was concerned about because I would fly into Chicago after a business trip and it'd be 10 o'clock at night and Karen would want to stay up, stay out until four in the morning because she didn't work until the afternoon. She was a professor and, and her classes were from four to eight o'clock in the evening. And so we were literally on like an eight hour different schedule. And, um, and I just thought, how is this ever going to work? And then the more we talked it out and, you know, once again, just part in the whole learning curve and, and dating is that if we did take it to a, a more serious level, how could we make this work from a timing standpoint? And and so we both started to compromise and, and slowly over time, that wasn't an issue at all. And uh, and now, you know, I, I go to bed a little later and and uh, and and she goes to bed a little earlier. <laughs> <laughs> Met in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so just knowing that your partner that takes a little time to realize, is that partner going to be hard headed? Are they going to, are they able to compromise? Cause you're not going to be a perfect, no one's a perfect fit in every realm of life. So compromise I think is key. And, 
it's not sexy to talk about, but you know, about when you exactly know the one is, but that was an important factor, I think, for us to, to know that, yeah, that we could, we could make this work and make it work well. Okay. So we've talked about watching each other, gathering that information. We talked about, can you imagine this person with anyone else? Can you imagine your own life without that person? Those are the kind of questions you start asking yourself as you're dating that kind of help you realize, is this someone who is my forever person? We talked about compromise. Are they someone that you can navigate life with because you're going to get thrown a lot of curveballs in life? And if this is someone who can't roll with some punches and can't meet you in the middle, that's going to be a hard life. For sure. Yeah. If they're always expecting you to adapt to them and never giving, you just have to have two people who are givers. That's right. That's right. Yeah, no question about it. And and that's uh, that's one of the things I love about you, honey. And <laughs> and I try for it not to be too one-sided when it comes to the compromise. Well, <laughs> yeah, I'm the baby. So I'm the, I think there's a birth order thing a little bit too. But um, you're a middle child and middle children adapt as well. So it's not that I, I think we were really aligned that way. You're a giver and I... I think I am a giver as well. So it, it's nice that no one's trying to dominate things. No complaints here, sweetie. <laughs> I do want to throw in a little research. You guys know I talk about this a lot. I've done some Instagram posts on it. But psychologist Dr. Robert Sternberg has a theory of love. It's called the triangle theory of love. And it speaks to the three elements of what he calls consummate love. So this is what we really want, the total package, what we're all going for. And the three prongs of this model are, one is romantic love, the passion, right? And that's the thing we think about when we fall in love. But also we need to have, two, the intimacy, which is the friendship. And so, yeah, you can have that hot attraction, but if you don't like each other that much, that's not a a love that should go the distance because it's not going to be very healthy on the emotional level. And then the third piece is commitment. And so when we make that choice and we realize this is our person, we want to know that this is someone we're going to stay attracted to sexually and romantically, that we love as a person that's our best friend, and also someone who we can trust will be committed to us and go the distance. So that is a little bit of psych research I can share here, and I've shared it in other podcasts, but it bears repeating because it's just a powerful way. And it's one of the things, again, hearkening back to When I was engaged to the wrong person, I didn't have those three elements in place. And this was a theory I used to teach when I was teaching in grad school. And I remember kind of coming across it and going, oh my gosh, I've been teaching this model and yet I'm in a relationship and that's what's missing is I don't have the consummate love. I don't have all three three prongs of this model in place. My ex-fiance was a very good friend and I admired him and respected his intellect and he was driven and had some, so many wonderful qualities. And he was a, definitely a committed, loyal, faithful partner, but I didn't have that spark and that chemistry. And in my 30s now, I was maybe trying to minimize that. Oh, I don't need that. That's, that's puppy love. That's what, we, that's what the chick flicks and rom-coms tell us we need, but I don't need that. I'm, I'm mature now. I need to make a sensible choice. <laughs> And I realized, obviously, two months before the wedding date that a sensible choice wasn't going to cut it. 
So in the midst of trying to kind of put our finger on, how do you know if it's the one? You got to have that zaza zoo. You got to have that spark. And Dan and I have that. And I can tell you, my heart is for anyone listening that if you are in a relationship and you don't have that and you keep trying to force yourself to have that because it's a sensible choice, I get where you're coming from. You're trying to be smart about love. You're trying to pick the person who is a a solid citizen who will be a solid partner, but you still got to have the zip and the excitement. So I just want to encourage all of us, you know, I I talk about love smarter, not harder all the time, but we still got to have the love and the passion. And I just know when I met Dan, it was the smart, it was the sensible choice, but it was also the exciting choice. So it is possible to find that all. And I just want to share that as another kind of way to realize this is the one because we're firing on all cylinders. It's all here. It is a total package. That makes me feel good, sweetie. (laughs) (laughs) Boosting my ego over here. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I just wanted to, of course, bring in a little psych research and then also just remember or remind people rather that we really can have that. And I don't want anyone to try to force the one or force their person to be their person. You can't force it. Another thing I want to bring up that I'm curious what you think, honey, too, is to be very honest with yourself. One of the things, again, going back to obviously just life has brought me a a very unique vantage point to this because of being engaged for a year to the wrong person. I mean, the feelings of being engaged to the wrong person and then juxtapose that against being engaged to you, which interestingly enough, my ex-fiance, we were younger, obviously. We both were coming. This was both of our first marriage. So there were, in, in terms of just the what would have looked like complexities of the situation, there were fewer, frankly. You know, I may, meet you and you're divorced and there's three kids and I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't know. Can I be a stepmom? That, that's, a, that's a very heavy duty responsibility to take on. And you don't go into that lightly because there are three young people who need someone to enter this situation with an open big heart because it's going to be dicey at times. And so it's so interesting that all the angst I felt with my first engagement, which really should have been smooth sailing because there weren't those extra concerns to grapple with. And then, of course, it wasn't. It was so angst ridden. And I was so full of I mean, I was in denial and I was not being honest with myself. And then to be engaged to you, which was more complex and we're older and there's three other people to consider. And And yet it was smooth sailing. It was like, okay, because, and here's another point I really want to make here. It's not about those extra realities, because if you find your person, you're going to feel inside that those other realities, the challenges that may come with those, you trust your person to have your back and to be there for you. You feel that trust you know that those challenges you can face hand in hand together. And that's what allowed me to. Now, the first couple of months that we were dating, I didn't know, you know, like you spoke to. It wasn't love at first sight in that sense. I mean, I was 40 when we met. You were 46. Six. I mean, we're grownups and we had this great first date and it was exciting. And it's bada bing, bada bing, bada bing. And We knew that there were all the elements there, but there was also a lot of life that had been lived for both of us. And so we had to those first couple months kind of, and I remember having these moments like, I am so into this guy, but 
wow, can I do this? And there's an ex-wife and wow, that's going to mess with my head maybe, right? And there's kids and everyone knows the stepmothers are wicked and evil. Everyone hates the stepmom, (laughs) you know? So, but I remember telling myself in those moments, Karen, if you fall in love and you feel that he is the one, all this other stuff is going to be okay. It's going to sort itself out because you're going to trust him to be with you through it. Well, and I think trust is the word, isn't it? Yeah. And that's, and it takes time to build. You can't, it would be a fool right. who would meet somebody and trust them right away. Right. You know, so we took our time. We were dating other people. Several yeah. months went by. Yeah. We traveled together. We did, had a lot of different experiences together and, and developed that trust. And then, you know, and you, you, and both of us, but certainly you who had, more trepidation because of, of all the outside elements. Right. Yeah. Cause I was already, I already had three kids. Right. <laughs> and I, and I, I lived out of the city and you were in the city. And so, and you were going to move out of the city. So well, I didn't know that at first <laughs> you, you, you sprung that on me later. Uh, no, that's not true. <laughs> well, he was what we call geographically challenged because city rats are so into the city that we think that if you live 20 minutes outside of the city proper, you're like, I don't know. I can't go to the country. I know my city people feel me. <laughs> I'm teasing. No, I did bring the, the city mouse down to the country, but I, I, don't, I don't think you are regretting it at this point. It's beautiful and I love it. I do. Let's connect on social. I'm most active on Instagram at Dr. Karen, that's D-R dot K-A-R-I-N. On Twitter, I'm at Dr. Karen Anderson. Live tweet with me when I watch my favorite shows, Will and Grace, my brand new fave, God Friended Me, and of course, all shows Bachelor Nation. Join me on Facebook where I'm stepping up my Facebook Live game. I'm at Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. So yeah, being very honest with yourself. And again, because I was so dishonest with myself in my first engagement and then being so honest with myself with you to know that you have those three prongs of Sternberg's model. And don't try to kid yourself because there are marriages that exist and they limp along without all three elements. But they're not thriving marriages. They're not the marriages that are extraordinary and spectacular and the marriages that we all aspire to have. And I want all of you to have that. So just being honest with yourself. And like Dan said earlier, there's no rushing the process because some of the information that you're going to gather that's going to really let you know that he or she is the one, you can't get that in a couple months. You just can't. And I know you're going to hear stories from people who got married after knowing each other two weeks, and God love them, and I, I wish them well. But that's not a plan. <laughs> this psychologist is not going to make that kind of recommendation. <laughs> this psychologist is going to recommend that you take your time and allow the information that you're gathering to really simmer and incubate so that you can really examine it. And when you do that and you're honest with yourself, then that, that knowledge does start to just come into your gut. Like my mom said, you will just start to know. And like I said, even those extra variables that maybe you used to say, oh, I couldn't deal with that, right? Because he lives outside of the city. I mean, I'm being silly here. But those things that you thought were, oh, I couldn't handle that. You'll go, well, I, you know, I think I can. 
I think I can with this person. And that will also solidify for you that this person that you're with is your person. So I hope that's helpful. I know it's still maybe a bit nebulous, but at least with Sternberg's theory, we have something to kind of concretize what we're going for. And if we can be honest with ourselves and if we can keep our eyes wide open and watch who this person is showing us to be and take our time and let that relationship evolve and be very in touch with our gut. What is your gut telling you? Is this someone who I can trust, who I can feel safe with? And you know, I love my interview with Ken Page, the author of Deeper Dating. And he really talks about this, the core gifts that we all have. And when we meet someone who sees us, sees who we really are, sees our core gifts and values them, honors them, loves us for them. And these gifts with other partners may not have been respected, may not have been honored or cherished. So as always, I recommend my podcast interview with Ken Page, LCSW, author of Deeper Dating. It's episode 63, Discover Deeper Love Through Deeper Dating. I know that will be helpful as you try to sort out, figuring out whether or not the person you're with is the one. Dan and I both have one more tidbit that's related to how we knew each other was the one. And my portion is really personal and I get emotional when I tell it. So I'm going to share it as a bonus for my besties private podcast episode that all of you who are on my email list will receive in my next newsletter, which will come out later today. And now for the love in the time of Corona Q&A. Hi, Dr. Karen. I've just messaged you on Instagram about being ghosted. I have been seeing this guy since the beginning of February. And we've had really great dates, seeing each other a few times a week. And I have met his siblings um, we've been out for dinner, obviously, prior to lockdown. Um, I've met his cousins. He's got two children as well, who I've also met. And things were just going really well. The last time I saw him was nearly two weeks ago now. And the way that we left things was just like normal. And then we were speaking last week and it was okay, but he's, was a little bit distant in his messages, I would say. And then on Sunday, I responded to his message about what he'd been up to recently during the lockdown. And I've heard nothing since. He's obviously read the message. He's been online. He's viewed my Instagram stories and just nothing. I have been cheated on before, which he knows. And he know, and we'd even had the conversation, actually, this is important. We'd had the conversation that we were exclusively seeing each other. And it just doesn't add up. And I really want to message him because I can sort of read between the lines. You know, I'm I'm not I'm in my thirties now and I've had experience of dating and my only guess is that he's talking to someone else. 
And if that is the case, I just want to know. I just want him to be honest, but I don't really know what to say in a message. I don't want to sound like a crazy woman, but I also think I deserve an explanation to, you know, just to be dropped like that for no reason that I can see. We were getting on so well. It was also my birthday last week and he said that he was really looking forward to cooking me a meal and nothing adds up. I'm just left a bit flabbergasted. Any advice would be amazing. I follow your Insta and I love you and I think you're amazing and your advice is just always so spot on. So thank you. I don't know if I've missed anything out. We were obviously intimate um, as well. And then I think, is it, was he just using me for that? It's just bizarre because how can you have such a deep connection with someone and see them a lot for them to just, if we'd had like one or two dates, then I'd understand. But it was more than that. And that's not me by being naive. It, you know, it was definitely more than that. And I, I kind of want to reach out to him and just tell him how I feel. But I also have to bear in mind that I may not get a response. And I, I want to say something, but I don't know how to word it. Any advice, Karen, would be amazing. Obviously, it's even harder because I can't keep myself occupied. I live alone as well. So the lockdown is extra hard and I don't have family members that I can see. My mum's a nurse, so she's working on the front line. And we're all in the same boat, really. You know, I'm just, I'm, I'm stuck at home. Any advice would be greatly received. Thank you so much, Dr. Karen. So since Dan is with me, I wanted to invite him to weigh in on this dilemma. It's heartbreaking. It really is. No, that's a, that's a very, very tough one. That's one of the tougher ones I've heard because you sounds like you did all the right things. You were having great communication. You had the exclusive talk. Yeah. I mean, it was established. Right. And, and, and when, when someone introduces you to their family, especially their kids. His children, yeah. That, that certainly shows a, the next level of seriousness. Yeah, you had every right to believe that you were moving in that direction. I mean, you had the talk, you met the children, you met the cousins, the siblings. It's, And then, oh, I want to make dinner for you on your birthday. I mean, it'll have to be after your birthday because of lockdown. But I mean, you guys were just going full speed ahead. Really, it does. It seems bizarre. It was what keeps coming to my head. So who knows? Maybe maybe there was is something that very odd that's happened. But, you know, with today's different ways of communicating, you say he's he's still been online. Yeah. So she knows that he's viewed her stories, but she has not heard from him since last Sunday. So a week. Yeah. And as I'm thinking about something, you know, practical to do to give you some comfort I would think that that I would just probably send a text and say, am I missing something? And then I think you owe me an explanation at least. So it's it's still, it's somewhat soft, but it's just saying, hey, really, we've we've been together. We've, we're exclusive. We have had been exclusive, you know, at least come clean with what's happening. You know, I know that we had many episodes ago, we talked about ghosting and yeah, I, I think, do. and I think it is a very, very cowardly thing. So, yeah, in that episode, it's episode 30. I talk about ghosting and typically my go-to is 
they ghosted. That's all you need to know. They've pulled back and as painful as it is, just move on because asking someone to have this final conversation, like, why do you not want to be with me anymore? You're probably going to hear things you really don't want to hear. But in this case, usually I'm thinking about ghosting where people have been kind of casually dating for a couple months yeah. and then someone just drops off. But here we're talking about, I mean, this was legit. You were exclusive. You met children. And so, yeah, I, I have that feeling that I would want to have that conversation. Yeah. Well, it's it's only fair. You know, yeah. it's one thing if you if you don't know the person and you haven't had those types of experiences. But, but in this case, I, I mean, I could understand your frustration and anybody would be. Super frustrating. Yeah, absolutely. So I hope that was helpful. I know it still hurts. It still stings. It's still horribly painful. But now you have a strategy from a male perspective. And again, these things, there's no easy answer and there's no right or wrong way to go about it. But those are our thoughts and I hope it's helpful. This week, we have two love and life hacks. The first one pertains to knowing if he or she is the one. Keep in mind Sternberg's triangular theory of love. You need the total package. Marry your best friend, who you're super hot for, and who will be loyal and faithful to you. And the second hack... Even in a global pandemic, ghosting is still unacceptable. Take charge of your thoughts. Take charge of your life. Thanks so much for joining us this week. A special thank you to all of you who have subscribed to the podcast and who've left reviews and rated episodes. All of that helps others find the program and join the Love and Life family. I'm Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. Until next time, make it a great week. Love and Life is produced by Tim May and hosts and executive producer, Dr. Karen Anderson Abril.